morning, as we said, we normally progress sequentially through a book of the Bible. What we're doing at the moment is systematic study in the Bible. So looking at topics, and we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Luke 6 is where we're going to spend most of our time. We're going to go deep thinking about kindness, that fruit of the Spirit. And as you do so, if you're finding Luke 6, there is a page number there for those black Bibles, if you're using one of those, page 862 of the Church Bibles, and it's Luke 6, 27 to 36. There's a sermon outline on page 5 as well. Um, that'll help you to see. Really, the sermon outline is an exegetical outline. It helps you to see what that text is saying, which is helpful for us. Luke 6, and I'm going to read it and then pray. Um, so, there's a saying here at Reforming Church, if you want to hear God speak, open a Bible. Let's hear God speak to us from Luke 6, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, Offer the other also, and from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good. Lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Let's pray, friends. Our Father in heaven, as you speak to us from your word, the Bible before us, in our laps, in our hands, we ask that we would so now listen to you, that we would walk like Christ, that we would be kind like our King. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The thing with unkindness is it becomes us. Unkindness becomes us. You've only got to look in history. Human history is a history of unkindness. And then we have a way as humans of reacting to unkindness with what? More unkindness. We just ramp it up a few levels and unkindness becomes us. Uh, this week, on Wednesday morning, I was preparing this sermon, and so the, the sermon uh, was kind of almost to its finished form, and I got an email. I got an email from the Bendigo Advertiser, of all people. Like, we're not really emailing a lot, um, but anyway, Bendigo Advertiser, I don't know, they emailed me, how they got my email address, but they did. And they emailed me, and I received an email speaking about a partnership uh, with, the, with an Australian not-for-profit called The Kindness Factory. The Kindness Factory. The Kindness Factory, if you've not heard of them, uh, they support youth mental health through the delivery of kindness curriculum. 
Um, it's something I think our society needs more and more. Uh, it's by someone originally started by Kath Koshel. She was an Australian cricketer for a short period of time. She went through a lot, actually, in her life, um, and I really feel for her. Uh, she started the Kindness Factory. It's across schools. Uh, it's This week, if you go on their website, they have over 3 million uh, comments where people are commenting acts of kindness. The Kindness Factory. I think it's actually commendable. I think something like this is a good thing. I think it's commendable, I think it's wonderful, I think we need it, and for the last couple of years our society has been through, wow, what a great thing, the kindness factory. Uh, Here's some of the things actually I've written down that I saw on that website, you can see them later, Um, people have written their name, um, their full name, and they've written their acts of kindness. So here's uh, Kate, Kate Brennan says, after 227 days of seeing my hairdresser, oh, without seeing my hairdresser, from lockdown, I gave her a bottle of champagne to celebrate her essential service I've had with her for 14 years. So she gave a hairdresser a bottle of champagne. Uh, Michelle writes, I, I bought and gave the checkout operator at my local supermarket a chocolate bar. Uh, we have Kate writes, I walked past a beautiful woman on the street, went back to her and told her she looked stunning, she was so grateful, it made me feel so happy I'd done it. Emma writes, I walked the beach and picked up garbage for one hour. And then another Emma writes, I gave my little brother some pets on a video game he really wanted. Acts of kindness, over three million of them on the kindness factory. Now every time I see such a venture like this, not only do I think it's commendable, but it can't help but make me reflect on the other not-for-profit organisation that ought to be known for Kindness. Can you think of that organisation? That it's a not-for-profit. It's one that's dear to my heart. Uh, I'm often involved in it. It's a not-for-profit, and it ought to be known for kindness. You guessed it. It's the church. How do you think we're going at kindness, church? And how is the worldwide church going at kindness? Uh, I'm on Twitter for a variety of reasons that sometimes are inexplicable to myself. But I'm on Twitter and, you know, a few social media channels, but Twitter's my favourite to get news. I get news, Christian theology, articles, leadership, that sort of stuff. And, and I happen to notice on the same Wednesday that I received that Kindness Factory email, a good um, author, and I really highly respect, I love his books, Jared Wilson, he's a Christian author, wrote this on Twitter about the worldwide church, particularly the American church. So he's an American and he, sells, he says this, I'm just going to quote him, Christian, so I think he's talking to me, because I'm, I'm one of those, Christian, I'm telling you, going through every day, mad at everybody for not thinking, voting or whatevering like you is going to eat you alive. I think he's right. Jared has hit on a nerve I think, in an issue in the church. I say worldwide church, wider church, something that I also so humbly wish to suggest even the kindness factory hasn't yet seen. See, I think we as a church, wider church, the kindness factory, we find kindness easy to people who are kind to us. We find people I like, I love, kindness comes easy. It's it's easy to get three million hits on a website just doing kindness to other nice people. But Jesus says this, kindness 
is brighter in the face of unkindness. Kindness is brighter in the face of unkindness. It's more noticeable. Come and see. Uh, Come and see how this works in Luke 6. Uh, This is a powerful heart issue for us. And Luke records Jesus speaking into our hearts, as Jesus often does, because Jesus is the great heart reader. He made our hearts and he's the one who wants to renew our hearts. Come and see. And as we come to Luke 6, I want you to see the first thing from Luke 6, the first point on your outline there, from verses 27 to 31. Here is the first thing that Jesus shows us. Christ is the real contrarian. Christ is the real contrarian. Um, People want to be contrarians today, don't we? Like, it's, it's kind of the flavour of the month. Um, for many reasons, many causes, in one sense, it's understandable. People don't want to go with the flow. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to be conformists. We want to be contrarians. But when you look at Christ, you won't find a contrarian like him. Not, not an earthly one, not a worldly one. And Jesus shows us this. Look at this, verse 27. How contrarian is this to our world? But I say to you here, love your enemies. What? Love your enemies? Look, I'm happy to be contrarian on lots of things. All the rules and regulations I will break. But love my enemies? Hang on, Jesus. You're not really. That's extreme. That's radical. Do good to those who hate you. Has Jesus seen my life? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. I just want to take a pause actually on that verse. On verse 28. Pray for those who abuse you. Friends, I recognise that word, the ESV, the English Standard Version we use here often, and the great thing about different Bible translations is they're very helpful for us. So I think it's good to have good, faithful Bible translations. But the ESV uses the word abuse. NIV might say mistreat, other translations. Can I just speak to that for a moment? Because that might, for some of us, uh, trigger some things. It might be something that we find difficult to hear, that Jesus is telling us to respond to those who abuse us. As someone who's had to think through this and through different life experiences, that if you're a a member of Reforming, you may know me a bit more well enough. I've been through difficult times myself. We read that, it can be hard to think, how can I actually respond and be kind to someone who abuses me, to someone who mistreats me? First thing, if you are being mistreated or someone's mistreating you like that, to that extreme please get some help, come and talk with me, come and talk with one of our elders here. With services of 30, we always make sure there's two elders here, so there's Cam is an elder and I'm an elder. Uh, come and talk to one of our women's leadership team, come and talk with Amy, um, perhaps talk with uh, some of our women who can help you, Sarah, come and talk with some of us. Talk to some professional help, of course, as well. But for those who are hurting you, even mistreating or abusing you, what can you do? First thing is, don't, you don't have to kind of be best buddies with them. You don't have to hang around with them all the time. But you can do something. You can still treat them with kindness. How? Jesus says how? By praying for them. And you can do that from a distance. 
You don't have to be up close and personal, embracing them, but you can pray for them. You can at least pray for your enemies. Jesus is such a contrarian. He shows us even your enemies you can pray for. When Jesus speaks about this and Matthew records it in his gospel, he says this in Matthew 5. You don't have to go there, but I'm going to go a few other places in the Bible today. You can write it down if you want or you can get it from me later, but I'll read it. You're welcome to go there to Matthew 5 because in Matthew 5, in this sermon that Jesus speaks, that Matthew records, um, this is what we hear. Jesus says in Matthew 5.38, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Now, that comes from the Old Testament, a few places it comes from in the law. Here's what Jesus says, but I say to you, but I say to you, Jesus says, do not resist the one who is evil. He slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other one as well. You know this, you've heard Jesus say this, it's pretty famous of him. Jesus is such the real contrarian. And what's his point? Here is his point. Real kindness comes in the face of unkindness. Like genuine kindness is seen in the face of unkindness. Jesus keeps saying to us again and again, you've heard it said. And now he says in verse 27 following, listen up and love your enemies. You want to be a contrarian? Everyone wants to be a contrarian today. Everyone wants to strike out at something and do the opposite You want to do the opposite to the world? You really genuinely want to say, I protest and I do something so totally out of this world? Then love your enemies. It won't necessarily get national attention on the TV tonight, but over time, it will strike out as so much brighter than any other act of contrarianism. Love your enemies. When Jesus speaks here, he's also only connecting the dots of the Old Testament. Proverbs 25, uh, if you want, you can flick back there uh, to find Proverbs in the Bible. By the way, use your contents page, that's what it's there for. But Proverbs 25, Proverbs just after Psalms, big book kind of in the middle of the Bible. In, In Proverbs 25, these words have been ringing in the ears of Old Testament believers for centuries. Proverbs 25, verse 20, sorry, verse 21 If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord reward you. The Apostle Paul picks up the same thing in Romans 12. In Romans 12, uh, Paul is really just expounding on Jesus' words, who is expounding on the Old Testament, which is all his word anyway. But in Romans 12, verse 20, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Notice Paul uses the word contrarian. Be a contrarian. Love your enemies. And if you go back to Luke 6, if Luke 6 is still open in front of you, I hope it is, look at the imperatives. The imperatives are list, love is an imperative, do good, bless, pray for, offer, give. And that great commandment summary in verse 31, and as you wish others would do to you, do so to them. Of course, all this means our response is to be what Christ would have us do, isn't it? To hear Christ, the real contrarian, is to act with kindness to those who are unkind to us. 
See, you think, and I think, we think, the world thinks, to be contrarian means to be aggro, angsty, anxiety, conflict-filled, not doing what someone recommends you to do. Friends, that is totally normal in our world. And even we Christians can miss this. That's the way the world works. The world does all those things, it is totally normal. And you won't stand out, not from the world. Because here's the second point we see from verses 32 to 34. The way the world works is ungracious. It's ungracious. I want you to notice this. Look at verse 32 following. Look at the conditional statements. Conditional statements are those with the word if in them, right? So, for example, verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Now, when Jesus used the word sinners, right, he knows who he's speaking to. He's speaking to those self-righteous Jews, those people who were the leaders of God's people, who saw themselves as righteous. We heard about them in the kids' talk, didn't we? In Luke 7, Jesus hangs out with the sinners. So Jesus is showing us he is calling all sinners. But when he uses that word, he's using a trigger word, a key word, for those who look down on others and call them sinners. And he says to religious people, self-righteous people, who want to be contrarians, he says this, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. Can I show you something also interesting in the text here? The word benefit, Jesus repeats twice. What benefit is that to you? What benefit is that to you? And then he says in verse 34, and if you lend to those who lend from you and expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Here's something interesting. Not just for the word nerds. Something interesting. The word benefit, repeated twice, And the word credit is the same word. It's charis in Greek. You know what the word means? Grace. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you're just kind to people who are kind to you, if you just like people who like you, you love people who love you, that is ungracious. It is unremarkable. It is no different than the way the world works. The world works in an ungracious way. Jesus is saying, if you could translate in a more wooden translation in the Greek, he's saying effectively this. It is, what grace is it to you? What grace is it to you? It is ungracious just to be kind to people who are kind to you and to the ones who are not kind to you, be unkind to them. That is totally unremarkable. It is totally the way the world works. Here is where the kindness factory and testimonies could be even more remarkable if they had testimonies of people being kind to people who were unkind to them. That would blow kindness out of the water. You see, what Jesus describes in these conditional statements is public discourse all the time now in our country. Sometimes I I have dreams, you know, Little fantasies of what I'd like to see happen in our parliament. That's not what you think, it's not just certain laws that I want passed. I would just like to see people treat one another with kindness. I think it would be amazing if we had political debate 
where someone got up and just trashed someone else. That wouldn't be amazing. That's normal. They trashed someone else, and their opponent instead stood up and said, I just want to thank you so much for pointing out my many weaknesses and flaws. And um, yeah, you're right in many ways. And, and, and let me just say, I really appreciate that. And let me just speak into that. Um, here's where I am at fault. I'll admit some fault. I'm, I'm often wrong. I'm always weak. And um, wouldn't that be really different? But by the way, friends, this is not just for the politicians. This happens for us personally. I even see sometimes Christians speaking about other Christians in such unkind ways, I wonder, do we look any different anymore? Let me give you a quote. This was on Facebook only a few weeks ago. One Christian who's a lobbyist, so that's his job, wrote this about a group of Christians a denomination on Facebook. He said, they are the worst collection of human beings on social media. That is ungracious. That is unremarkable. That is the way the world works. You're playing the game of the world and you're losing badly. But can you imagine what a response of kindness would look like? Can you imagine what it would mean? It would make a difference of biblical proportions. To to, to have someone respond with kindness, instead of lobbyists catastrophizing everything. Everything is a catastrophe these days. Instead of using words to belittle others in all sorts of creative and unkind ways, imagine if we used our words to love people in response. You get people asking, how is that possible? And you know what we could do? We could say, let me show you the answer. And it's in verse 35. Here's the answer. How is it possible? Verse 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. You see this third point? God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Let that sink in. Our God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Who? Who's ungrateful and evil? Uh, Me! (laughs) I'm ungrateful and evil. That's me, that's my life, that's my story, and that's all our stories, isn't it? Do you see just how contrary Jesus Christ is? How he cares for us so much that he wants us to be like him in character towards others, even unkind people. Love, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. It's so foreign to us because what happens for us? See, we do good to others and you notice this, don't you? You do something good, you do something kind and then we, we sort of stand around going, what do I get? I, I did that. I, I, I cleaned up. Now, what do I get? I cleaned the garbage from the beach. What do I get? Tell me. We often expect in return, don't we? We do something kind and we expect it in return. But Jesus turns that thinking on its head. Jesus says, The God Most High 
Notice the language that Luke uses, that Jesus speaks. The God who is most high is also most low and kind to the ungrateful and the evil. This grace is a gift and it's amazing, friends. Jesus changes everything. And look deep into the motivation for being kind. It's not be kind so you get to become sons and daughters of the king. It's be kind because you already are sons and daughters of the king. Do you see? God is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Romans 5 verse 8. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, now where are those good people? I'm going to go and die for them. He looks for the sinners, the ungrateful and the evil, and he dies for them. Romans 5.10, it's why we were enemies of God. And our cross-reference passage from today, Titus chapter 3. I'm just going to go back and read that. Amy's read it earlier. Amy read it earlier. Titus chapter 3. Let this sink in, friends. Titus 3 verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Saviour, appeared, He saved us. Jesus doesn't display his kindness on a website, but on a cross. God in Christ is kind to the ungrateful and evil by going to the cross for them, by taking the punishment that you and I deserve for all their unkindness. Jesus, the righteous judge, gets judged. Christ goes to the cross saying, not, what do I get? But he goes to the cross saying, I give my life. And Christ does that so we as a church could now become a culture of kindness. Humans have a history of unkindness and unkindness becomes us. But Jesus says in verse 27, notice his words. Go back to Luke 6. And he says in verse 27... But I say to you who hear, are you hearing Jesus? Don't listen to Jesus now and then totally live like you didn't hear it, like you didn't hear him. Jesus says to you who hear, instead of unkindness becoming us, we can become a culture of Christ and that is a culture of kindness. And I think that means three things as we finish right now before we pray. I think it means three things. This is our prayer today. The fruit, of un- the, th- the fruit of kindness in the face of unkindness means three things. It means, firstly, the way we love. Secondly, it means the way we lead. And thirdly, the way we pray. Firstly, the way we love. The way we love ought to look so different to the world around us. 
we love people who love us. We like people who like us. That's natural, that's fine, but it's also not supernatural and it's not unremarkable. The way we love will be different now because we'll love by grace. We will love because we are loved and saved by grace. We will love and, and serve others by grace. Even ungrateful people, yes. Friends, my temptation when in the face of ungrateful people is to grumble, isn't it? That's probably yours as well. It's just like, oh, they didn't clean it the way I wanted to clean it. Or they didn't do what I wanted. You know, we, we, we just, we, we grumble inside. Perhaps outside, it comes out, doesn't it? It spills out our mouth and we go, oh, it's all out there now. But now Jesus can change me. Like, the ungrateful sinner that I am, he can change me because he saved me. He saved me for gratefulness. He saved me for grace. He saved me to serve others with grace and to love them. This is not impossible because God has done the impossible. Secondly, it means it changes the way we lead. Um, We have a saying here at church, leadership is love. Leadership is love. Leadership is not controlling things, commanding things or doing things that we just get what we want. Leadership is love, which means leadership is laying our lives down to love others. No one should aspire to the office of elder, board of management manager, group team leader, ministry team leader, staff or pastor, unless they are tested and proven to be laying down their personal preferences and love others. We don't want to see people who are leaders because they've got ambitions to be seen or just get their own way or or to be whatever else reason that's hidden in their heart. Leaders are to love people. And leaders are not asking to lead, so they go, what do I get? Which means leaders genuinely love those who are unkind to them. Here's one verse that I think a leader or an aspiring leader needs to have burned into their brain. It comes from 2 Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy about leadership in the church, which is different to leadership in the world. And he writes this. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Christian leaders and those who serve in leadership, are we the kind of people that are kind? Are we the kind of people that others want to be around? Here's a little um, insight into our eldership meetings. Every eldership meeting, we pray that we would be the kind of people that others want to be around, that we're kind. Uh, I recently learned that R.C. Sproul, who's since died, he's an American Christian Bible teacher, he used to say to his wife after a sermon or a lecture, um, he didn't say, you know, how was it, how did I do? He always asked, was I kind? Kindness is how we lead. And thirdly, it shapes how we pray. We're going to pray in a moment, but how do we pray now? We pray for those who mistreat you. We pray for those who are unkind to you. Jesus shows us how. I think I have found this very difficult. So this is not something, I, oh, that's easy, no worries. I understand how difficult that is. 
We finished last week with Jesus' words on the cross. Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He doesn't say, oh, this is not wrong, this is totally fine. He acknowledges the sin, the wrong, but he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, we can now pray like that. We can now pray for those who are unkind to us, graciously absorbing their pain when we feel like hitting back, and we often do. It might even change someone's life, you know. Someone who was ungrateful and evil in God's kindness might repent, rejoice and come to Christ just like you did. Jesus says, he prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If the Lord himself can be kind to the authorities who are executing him, then we can because we are sons and daughters of the King who is kind. Let's pray, friends. Let's pray we will. Our Father in heaven, there are many of us here in the room or tuning in online who are struggling with unkindness this season. And so we pray for kindness, for the kind that is a kindness of Christ himself. We're asking by the Spirit of Christ that we would believe upon the gospel of your kindness towards us in Jesus, that we would be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we stand out, last song is The Humble One. The song is about Jesus and his kindness toward us. Please stand and sing with us. Serve the ones he 
For our next step news, you'll see in our service booklet on page six, 